0: children and I received some news that we did not want to hear, and that was my bishop in the denomination that I served for over 30 years had decided to move us out of the Midwest, out of Indiana, and move us to Florida. We did not like that. We did not want to come. We were not asked, (laughs) but we were told, and uh, I was in the Methodist uh, movement then, and in the Methodist movement, if you are ordained, and the bishop says move, you start packing, and that's all there is to it. There's no question. So we moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. And I was told that because I had taken four years of French in high school, I would be the perfect candidate to be a co-pastor of a Haitian congregation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you know my background, that's what I did. laugh <laughs> the The former Ku Klux Klan leader, now a Christian, going to pastor a Haitian congregation. Just because I took four years of French in high school. Do you know what four years of high school language does for you in America? Not much. So I, uh, I, I, I literally went and ordered a French Bible. Because there was no way I was going to try to learn Haitian. Creole. So I figured at least French I could brush up on that. I could get by. Actually by the end of 2 years I was at, I could actually I could actually preach a little in French. So I mean I I got I got good, but but it was a bad situation from my viewpoint. It's like why am I being punished, God? Because I don't want to leave Indiana is the only home I ever knew. And I don't want to go to hot sunny Florida. And I certainly don't want to pastor a congregation where I'm going to have language difficulties. It doesn't make any sense. And then, about a week after I had been there, and remember I was a co-pastor. So my other, my co- my co-pastor, other co-pastor was a Haitian pastor. And Pastor Dorsilian, Pastor Pierre Dorsillian. He was a very important man in the, in the Haitian community because he had actually run for president of Haiti against Aristide. And so he was well known. Every Haitian in, around the world knew Pastor Pierre Dorsilian. And Pastor Pierre came and he sat in my office and he said, so I understand that you were a professor at Purdue University, along with being a pastor. And I said, yes, that's true. I, I, I taught speech and persuasion at Purdue. He said, that is why God brought you here. And he said it in a way that told me he, too, was wondering, why is this man here? <laughs> he said, that is why God brought you here. I said, I don't understand what you're talking about, Pierre he said my haitian people my pastors they are not ordained and he said we have many many haitian pastors throughout south florida in our denomination and they he said they will never be ordained in our system because we have so much educational requirements that he said, I have some pastors who have literally been working on it for nine years. And he said, they will have another ten years before they will possibly be ready for ordination. He said, you are a professor. You can figure this out and help us. I said, what, they need to learn public speaking? I <laughs> That's what I taught, you <laughs> know. He said, you are a professor. Figure it out. And he got up and he left my office and went back to his office. And I sat there, it's, and then and then he called me on the phone. He said, Pastor, this is why God brought you here. Figure it out. We need you. And that is exactly, I believe, why God brought me there. It turned my bitterness, and I was bitter about being just moved and, and cleared across the country and for no reason for what I could see. And I was wallowing in self-pity. I was disappointed. I was discouraged. I was disillusioned. But then God, through Pastor Pierre, opened my eyes to see some possibilities of why God really did bring me there. Has that ever happened to you? Have you found yourself just being totally bitter about something, but then God turns it around and makes it into something better? So over the next several years, I developed and headed up a a, a program, got it approved by the denomination to where our Haitian and our Hispanic and our Brazilian pastors, so we had three different languages going there. We had Portuguese, we had uh, French, and we had Spanish. And so I developed a program, got it approved through the denomination where these pastors could actually take the bare minimum with me teaching them and some of the other pastors coming along teaching them, they could take the bare minimum number of courses and they could actually be ordained within two years instead of 20 years. It was such a thrill to go to annual conference each year and see some of these men stand up and the bishop lay hands on them and ordain them, knowing that that would never have happened. If Pastor Pierre hadn't come and said, this, this is the reason you are here. From bitter to better. One of the toughest emotions we face is disappointment, disillusionment. What do you do when life goes sour on you? Oh, I know, I know. We, we've all heard that expression, haven't we? Well, when life hands you a bunch of lemons, just make lemonade. Okay, that's a wonderful cliche. I, I'm, I'm, it's cute, you know? It's probably good advice. It might even cheer someone up when they're feeling sorry for themselves. But you know what? When it's your life that's gone sour, that's a little different, isn't it? Clichés don't quite cut it, do they? It's kind of like the difference between major surgery and minor surgery. Minor surgery is when it's on you. Major surgery is when it's on me, right? yeah yeah, so today I want to look at an Old Testament story. I, I think I think you can relate to I know I can. Yeah. who hasn't been disappointed at one time or another, whether it, whether it's a, a kid who didn't get what the, what she wanted for Christmas or, or the man who didn't get the promotion or the wife whose husband walked out on her or or Charlie Brown who only got rocks in his trick-or-treat bag at Halloween, We've all faced disappointment. And we will continue to face those disappointments. Those times when life goes sour. Those times when life just becomes bitter. How can we make them better? The Bible has some principles to teach us. The principles in the Bible are better than the worn out cliches. So let's, let's look at some with that scripture passage that Pastor Joe read for us earlier. The first one is this, understand that good times prepare us for the hard times. Oh, you see, when we're going through the good times, we don't really even think about it, do we? And a lot of times, we don't even really think about God, because we're enjoying life, things are going well, oh, maybe it might be a, oh, thank you, Jesus, every once in a while, but but basically, we kind of just go through life, because times are good. Things are going well for us. Let's look at this. Exodus chapter 15, verse 19 to 21. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them. That, that's, that's the Israelites' enemies right there. All right. Crashing down on them. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. That was a glorious deliverance. That was good times. For the Israelite people. The Israelite people who had been slaves for hundreds of years. And now they are delivered. And they were miraculously delivered. And There were the enemy coming behind them. And then God moved. And the sea just enveloped the enemy. But the Israelites got to walk across the land. On the, on the, on the dry land. That was a glorious moment. One day they're slaves in Egypt. The next day they are delivered by the Almighty God. But now it's time for them to learn that good times prepare them for the hard times. And it's something that we need to remember that when we're going through the good times, when we are experiencing the favor of God, when we're experiencing the blessings of God, It's there to prepare us, because good times never last, do they? We don't know what's right around the corner. Literally in an instant, our lives can change, and we can be on hard times. You see, you can go to work, and all of a sudden, the boss calls you in, and you go home. And you have no job. Hard times. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you can go to the doctor for your, for your annual checkup, and you can go feeling good and strong, and then there's that one test, and the doctor says, wait a minute. Hard times. You could be having the greatest day of your life, and the phone rings, The good times prepare us for the hard times. It doesn't matter how good your life is going now, and I hope it is going good, but things change, don't they? It may get better. It may get worse. But I guarantee you, nothing stays the same, does it? So how do the good times prepare us for the hard times? It it gives us something to remember, something to hold on to. When it seems like God has deserted us, it's helpful to remember the times when he felt particularly close to us. It provides that hope that life will be good once again if we just hold on. I I have remembered and I have recalled and I've gone back in my mind many, many times to Pastor Pierre walking into my office down in West Palm Beach and him telling me, This is why you are here. You're here because God brought you here. And what turned out that I thought was a very disappointing time turned into something very, very fruitful for the Lord. And for me as well. Because there's no joy that you can experience better than the joy of, of just accomplishment, and knowing that you were used by God to bring about something good to help someone else. That's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? But how many times since then have I had to look back and remind myself that I was going through those hard times but they became good times. And if God did it once, he can do it again. Yeah. Whatever you're going through right now, it might be the hard times. But remember the good times that God has given you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes, the good times prepare us for the hard times. Here's number two. Accept the hard times as part of God's plan. That is not easy to do, is it? Accept the hard times. As part of God's plan. Let's read on in that passage, verse 22 and 23. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from uh, the Reed Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert. They're in the desert now. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah. Marah means Bitter in Hebrew. You ever gone three days without water? I haven't. I I don't think I would want to. That's not going to be good. Talk about dehydration. That's dehydration. I doubt these Israelites were very pleased with going three days without water either. And then in the distance, they see this gleam of water, this gleam of hope. (laughs) Some of them must have started to run. You know they did. They wanted to get there first because they needed to quench that thirst. Can you imagine their disappointment when they discovered the water was bitter? It was too bitter to drink. It wasn't safe. It wasn't good. They couldn't drink it. Most were unprepared for this situation. They, they they could not conceive that such a thing could happen to them when God was actually leading them. How would how could God lead them into the desert with no water? That just didn't make sense. Since, especially after they had seen that wonderful deliverance, that wonderful victory that he had given them, after all, they had found God's favor. So how could this happen now? They were chosen by God. They were loved by God. They were favored over others for God. They just weren't prepared for more trouble, more hardship. God had delivered them from all of that but there was one person who was not unprepared like they were. And that one person was God himself. God was not unprepared because God sees the beginning and the end. And he sees everything in the middle as well. And he was already there at the end. He was already there in the middle. God is everywhere on the timeline. God is in next week for you. He's in next month. He's in next year. Nothing comes as a surprise to the Almighty. Oh, it does to us, but not to Him. God is never confronted with a situation for which he is unprepared. He's never confronted with a situation in which he has no answer. The third thing is, learn to respond with faith. James reminds us in James chapter 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That makes no sense, does it? (laughs) For you know that your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When trouble comes your way, consider it joy. When hardships come your way, consider it joy. When bitterness comes your way, realize it can be turned into something better. Look at the contrast going on in this Exodus passage. First, there's that response of unbelief. Verse twenty four. Then the people complained and they turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. Yeah. Another one of the Moses. It's your fault. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. You're the you're the one. We were fine as slaves in Egypt. We were just living our lives, being beat to death, <laughs> being worked to death. We were getting along good back in Egypt. We were poor. We were captive. We were fine until you came along, Moses. Now look at us. At least we had water back there. Now we don't have any water. Unbelief. Scholars estimate that there were probably around 3 million Israelites. 3 million people complaining. Can you imagine that? But Moses had the sense enough with all that going on to pray. You want to know why Moses is a great leader? Because with all that going on he had the sense enough to pray. The response of faith Verses nineteen to twenty six. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. I bet he did. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Some different ways of translating. Some translate. Some translations uh, uh, showed him a tree, a branch, a piece of wood. Same thing. Shows him a branch or a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the bitter water, and it made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases. I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I want you to notice because some people read this and and, and they, they 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 kind of miss they, they, they miss the spiritual significance here i I want you to notice it was not the wood, the branch, the tree that had the magical powers. And I, I have heard, I have actually heard preachers try to say, well, you know, there's a certain type of wood that grows it, that 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 if, if a water has this, you know, the, this wood has this uh, chemical, uh, you know, different chemical, the sap in this you way, know. You don't have to go to all that nonsense and trouble, people. You just got to look at it a little bit differently. The Bible doesn't say that the wood became magical and turned and changed the waters. What did it? Here it is, and this is the key. It was Moses, in obedience to what the Lord showed him, throwing the branch into the water. The branch didn't have magical powers. It wasn't like there's one tree. If you pick the right tree, Moses, I'm going to show you which one it is. If you take a branch there, that's going to do it because the other trees won't. No, it was none of that. Right, right, right. That's right. The power was God's power. Get this, activated by Moses' faith and demonstrated by Moses' obedience yeah. to the Word of God. God showed him the branch. Moses had the faith to go to God and say, God, I need your help. Yes, sir. And then God showed him the tree, the branch, the piece of wood, whatever it was. And Moses understood God meant for him to throw that in the water. and There would be a change. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now, if you were to go drag that piece of wood out of the water. If you were to analyze that piece of wood, take it to your nearest laboratory, and they could put it under the microscope, guess what what they would find? It was a piece of wood. That's all it was. It was a piece of wood. Because that's not what made the difference. The power was God's power, but it was activated by Moses' faith, and it was demonstrated by Moses' obedience. There's your key. When we're going through hard times, we need to do exactly what Moses did. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. We need to have enough sense about ourselves to realize that yes, we're in trouble, yes, we're in hard times, yes, we're disappointed, yes, we're disillusioned. What do we do? We cry out to God. And when we cry out to God, God will bring us the solution. Because he already knows the answer. And he'll show it to us. And then we, in faith and obedience, we do what God's word says. And God will turn that bitterness into betterness. God does it. Not us. times of God's favor in your life. The times of God's favor. The times of God's blessing upon your life. They're there to prepare you with the faith to stand up under the trials that are going to come. They're there for you to hold on to later on when times are not good. They're there for you to remember how God's blessings came into your life. And if God will do it once, our God will do it again. And those trials are just as much a part of God's plan for your life as the times when God is blessing your socks off. And finally, when, when the troubled times come, we get to choose our reaction. We can grumble and we can complain just like the Israelites did. We can convince ourselves that God doesn't even care for us anymore. And we have the choice and the free will. We can do that if we want to. Amen. Why would you want to? That's right. That's right. Or you can respond in faith, remembering all the time of God's favor upon your life, his blessing in our lives, and you can willingly submit yourself to learn the lessons God has for you. Amen. Amen. Man's disappointments are merely God's appointments. God can turn your bitter times into better times. But we've got to look to him. Bless you.